The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Michael Kist, Benjamin Solak. It's the Kist and Solak Show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 69, which is nice. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Eight Year Streak. Without a bad day, he is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Mike, every day is a good day to be alive, especially when the Eagles are going to beat the Saints on Sunday. That just makes every day leading up to that victory, Knockwood, as uh, it's just a joy. Uh, what a dream to know that your team is going to advance to the championship round. It's, just, it's a great time. You are very confident about this, and we're going to have to get into this because the first thing you said to me was, the Eagles are going to beat the Saints, like right, right out of the gate when we opened I up. said in the Bears preview show, if they beat the Bears, I'm not picking against them, which <laughs> I was going to hold true to. Do I, do I know for a fact the Eagles are going to beat the Saints? Absolutely not. Most analysts from a national perspective who are kind of just getting to this team and just getting to this matchup don't see many avenues by which the Eagles are going to beat the Saints. Mm. I think for those who have who have spent a lot of time covering the team specifically over the Nick Foles era, there's much more clear avenues by which the Eagles will keep this very competitive for four quarters and keep this close. I said this, you know, uh, on the postgame show. I absolutely see an avenue by which the Eagles blow out the Saints Minnesota Vikings style. I 100% see that as like a potential thing. I absolutely see a close game. And obviously, I, I, like, I can see a, a blowout for the Saints in the sense that it happened in Week 11. But I think that that's the least likely of the three, to be very honest. Mm. I expect this to be a close, high-scoring game for four quarters. But I absolutely think that the Eagles have... As good, like, I, I think the Eagles have a better shot to upset. We asked this to Evan Silva on episode 50, or 67, you know, the best shots to upset. I think the Eagles have a better shot than the Colts to upset. I think they have a better shot than the Chargers to upset. And I think they have a better shot than the Cowboys to upset. I think this is this is the game 
where I would be betting it against the spread in favor of the the dog, which, I mean, it's the Eagle underdog, so it makes sense. <laughs> we're we're going to get into it. I think this offense can score a lot of points on the Saints. I really do. You know, it's interesting because I was listening to the Off the Charts podcast with Matt Manichurian from Sports Info Solutions and Adam Schatz from Football Outsiders. And they said that last week was the most lopsided matchup with the Bears and the Eagles when you look at all the numbers. And this week, the most lopsided matchup, again, is involving the Eagles against the Saints. So t- we've done it already in this postseason. Right. We've, we've done the big upset. I'm not as confident as you are, right. but we're going to talk. But that's it. why my point is like, you know, if you're looking at this from a national perspective with year-long stats, you're not going to be able to talk yourself into Eagles winning this game at all. There's no reason to. Right. If you look over the past four, five, six weeks of play. Oh, absolutely. There's a chance. What's to say What's to say that Breeze flips that switch right, exactly. right back That's on. the thing. Is like we, we haven't seen Breeze and the starters for two weeks. So there's a chance they come out and the rest was, was great for them and helped them reset. And now it's just, you know, the whole win three effing games thing from head coach Sean Payton. Great. But in the event that they don't come out super hot off a two-week break, which, you know, there's a very good chance they don't. It doesn't, uh, very often the bye can help make teams be a little stale. Or they come out and they're struggling with the same thing they struggle with in the regular season. Eagles are going to have more than a fighting chance in this game. I absolutely, like, I, I'm, I'll i be picking the Eagles at the end of the show. I expect the Eagles to at least be able to hang tight and make this a four-quarter game. And I expect them to be able to win it if everything comes said and done, which... We're going to have yeah. to talk about why that is. And listen, a big, I'll be very honest. A big part of why that is is because it looks like the Saints are going to be playing an offensive tackle from, I don't know, Canada or something by the end of this. They have like five offensive tackles on the injury report right now. Yeah, we're going to get into the injury report right now. So the main topic of the show obviously is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles offense against the New Orleans Saints defense. I really thought through that one, but I nailed it. Felt good about it. Let's a get plus. to the injury report. <laughs> so Matt Pryor. Sorry, 69, Matt Pryor. Go ahead. Matt Pryor episode. There it is. Okay. I just had to say it so that nobody yelled at me on Twitter afterwards. <laughs> ben didn't say a number. He could have not thought of one, whatever. Yeah, you started a gimmick and then have not followed through. And every time I start the episode and say the episode number, I can see you scrambling to find the player. So injury report for the Eagles. They covered a lot of this on BGN Radio in episode 31 with John Stolness and Brandon Lee Gowton. May, May he forever, forever rain. rain. But... We are going to get into this real quick just just to go over it. Did not participate again. Michael Bennett, Carson Wentz. Wentz isn't playing. Bennett will be playing. We know how this goes with Bennett late in the season. We've been over this. Limited participation. DJ Alexander with the hamstring. Alshon Jeffrey with the ribs. Golden Tate with the knee. Alshon Jeffrey, Golden Tate, not worried about them. All indications are that they are playing. Sidney Jones with the hamstring may or may not play. Now, I've gotten questions, you've gotten questions about Sidney Jones about, well, should they upset the apple cart? Should they start him on the outside? No. I like to upset the apple cart. That was a cool little... So, this is what that this is what Sidney Jones does. If Rasul Douglas goes down, if Avante Maddox goes down, if Cravon LeBlanc goes down, or even out for four or five plays, they get a knock, they get a stinger, whatever the case is, they go out. Sidney Jones is coming in instead of Josh Hawkins. That, to me is a win for the Eagles if Sidney Jones is able to go. So no, I don't think Sidney Jones should get significant reps, but having him there for depth is a big issue when you think about what else can come right. in instead of him. What Sidney lets you do as a player who's not starting for this game, which he should not, but could be healthy, question mark, and has outside and slot experience, is if you come out and the Saints, which I kind of expect them to do, are like, huh, Let's see how this Avante Maddox character does against Michael Thomas, you know, who's a fantastic route runner, very physical, great size, good catch radius, whatever. 
if they like, you know, two, three straight drives, they're really trying to hit those isolation routes, those multi-break routes that Allen Robinson had so much success with against Maddox. Heck, come out the next drive, put Sydney on the outside, put Maddox in the slot and see what the Saints do. You can give them, mm. as long as Sydney is like healthy to go, rotating looks where you can really confound what coverage you're playing and make it more difficult for them to draw up matchups by putting out two, three different players, Maddox, LeBlanc, Jones, all of them can play in the nickel or move to the outside, right? And obviously, like, you don't you don't want to be changing pitches a ton in the secondary because that's how you get communication issues and busted coverages. I acknowledge that. But if you vary on a drive basis, you're going to make it very difficult for Breeze and Peyton to be like, oh, they're doing this on the sideline. Let's come out in the next drive and do this. Well, you're not sure, right? Because if, if they find a, a weak spot they like, Go ahead and insert Sidney Jones somewhere and, and move back to like a coverage, you know, bracket that you used in like week 12. You know what I mean? Just like, like you can go and you can give them different looks because they don't really know what a Maddox, Sidney Jones, Cravon LeBlanc, Rasul Douglas secondary is going to look like. You know what I mean? So you can insert variance plays that makes Breeze hold on to the football longer. And I said in the last podcast, Eagles win this game. It's because they hassled Breeze for four quarters with an incredible amount of pressure. So if you can make him hold on to the ball for another quarter of a second – you know, three-tenths of a second, that's a big difference. The reason that I like that is regardless of how you do it, regardless of who you do it with, what you're speaking to there is planting a seed of doubt and not letting the Saints get a read on what you're doing defensively Precisely. early on in the game. I like that strategy right there, even if they don't have they don't have to go with it all game, obviously. No, this is if you if you come out and your secondary is playing like as you expect, like fine, then do nothing. Right. But what I'm talking about, like like the the Cowboys against Devontae Bowsby and Sidney Jones on the outside. The Bears against Devontae Maddox on the outside. If they're clearly just going matchup, then change the secondary's face and force them to find a new matchup. Saints injury report. Limited participation. It's like the, it's the whole line outside of Max Hunger again. Toronto Arms. The whole with the team. Pack. Sorry. Jerome Bushrod, hamstring, Andrews Pete with the hand, Ryan Ramchek with the shoulder, Larry Warford with the knee. Uh, Simi Cobbs with the knee as well, but this offensive line is definitely beat up, and that could be a big advantage for the Eagles. Like we mentioned in the defense of the Eagles against the Saints offense preview, which was episode 68 of the Kiss and Solak show. Go back and listen to that if you have not. That could be a big advantage. We've seen some drop-off in the offensive line play recently for the Saints that could be a big boon for this Eagles front four. Full participation for the Saints. Chris Banjo with the knee. Wide receiver Ted Ginn Jr. was full participation with the knee. Defensive end Alex Okafor. So Ted Ginn looks full go. Uh, The other interesting one, have you heard anything on Mike Wallace? Because he was limited participation. So I'm wondering if he's able to go. And seeing as this is the Eagles offense preview against the Saints defensive preview, do you have any thoughts on... Did I, did I do it that time? No, I appreciated how you stunted by doing the whole, like, Eagles offense versus Saints defense preview. Look at me. I know what show we're doing. I really appreciated how, like, deliberate that was. I closed my eyes and thought real hard about it. Do you have any thoughts on how Mike Wallace's return could impact this offense and what that might look like for them? Right. So something that we've heard talked about a lot in terms of how this game is going to go for Philadelphia offensive game plan wise. And I know it's something that we want to talk about because I'm pretty sure it's not that we disagree here, but we, we're we of... Two, two different ideologies approaching this. Wallace, obviously, the first thought you're going to have is going to be the deep shot idea. And it's going to be the fact that if mm. he gets isolated man coverage, uh, he's going to be able to fly. Obviously, Marshawn Lattimore and Eli Apple are two quarter corners who both have good long speed to them. Um, but Wallace is a true burner. And he's obviously got the experience tracking deep. And he's a veteran. And so those are a second-year corner and a 
still on his rookie contract corner, who's also been shaky. Uh, you can win at the line with releases. You can stack down the field because you've been doing it for longer, and you have some of that veteran savvy. A key note, and this is just something that if I had to like put one thing to hang my hat on here in terms of the Eagles' offense scoring points against the Saints to the point where I think they can win. Bears gave you a ton of backside man coverage. Saints going to give you a ton of backside man coverage. Bears like to do it because they like to have enough numbers to pattern match to the play side against three wide receiver sets. Saints like to do it because they like to send five. They like to zone blitz. And oftentimes they're going to give you isolated man coverage on the backside so that they can run a trap zone to the play side where the blitz is coming from. Eagles beat that last game by stepping out of 12 personnel, which had been great for them for four weeks, stepping into 11 personnel, heavily targeting wide receivers, Alshon Jeffrey on man-beating concepts, and it worked well for them. Fantastic game plan coming in. They can excise, copy-paste a lot of the ideas that they had from that game plan into this game. Mike, pass success rate against defense. The New Orleans Saints defense right now, sixth in the league in terms of defending tight ends, 49% success rate. That's quite low. Again, sixth in the league. 56% success rate against wide receivers is 31st in the league, Mike. The only defense that's worse is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which has been an a historically bad pass defense. Yep. And the Saints are one step above. In terms of defending the pass against pure wide receivers, the the Bears left Kyle Fuller and Prince Mukamura on islands against Alshon Jeffrey. Kyle Fuller is a first-team All-Pro. That's great. Saints don't have one of those, Mike. Marshawn's a good corner. Apple's been playing better. But since they traded for Apple in week eight, this is a Keegan Abdu stat. Uh, we, we we talked about Keegan with on the Evan Silva pod. Great resource. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at Keegan Abdu. Uh, K-E-E-G-A-N-A-B-D-O-O. Yep. Works uh, next-gen stats. Does some stuff with the SIS Sports Info Solutions data. Shared very clearly that the Saints were in a below-average man team before Eli Apple arrived and are now an above-average man team since the arrival of Eli Apple. They brought in Eli Apple to play more man. They brought in Eli Apple to blitz five more frequently. Philadelphia can win with the man-beating concepts. If you go heavy protect, which Philadelphia will do, they did it against the Saints, then absolutely you're going to have deep shots with Mike Wallace. You're going to have the opportunity to go deep outside with him. You're going to have the opportunity to go deep outside with Alshon Jeffrey. The Saints have been susceptible to explosive plays in the passing game. So if we talk about outside receivers, very effective against the Saints, I and Wallace specifically is going to be a guy you're going to want to go deep with. That's his wheelhouse. That's his niche. That's his strength. There's other ways to attack this defense in the passing game, in my opinion, which we will get to. But Mike, I know that's what we want to do with Wallace. And I know outside receivers down the field is something that we want to think about in terms of how this offense will win. Yeah. And it all depends too. We talk about that backside stuff. What happens when we get what the Houston Texans, what the Washington Redskins did to Alshon, which was Cohen Brackettum. You're going to get that single coverage on the other side, on the trip side. Mm -hmm. And if you have Mike Wallace and Nelson Aguilar out there, they might get some one-on-one matchups where they can burn down the field. You know, of all the gin joints in all the towns and all the world, the Saints' pass defense remains the worst in all of them in the playoffs remaining. So, and I hesitate to sound too confident about that because this is a point we hit very heavily going into the week 11 matchup where the Eagles laid a big fart, but it's a new day. Teams changed. The Eagles were able to move the ball well last week against the against the Bears. The score didn't necessarily look like that because of the two turnovers in Bears territory. But this Saints defense doesn't play near the level of ball that the Bears do, and they don't turn it over at near the rate. And just one example of that, we talked about how elite the Bears per efficiency metrics were for drives. 
They ranked first in just about every category, including turnover frequency. The Saints don't rank poorly in here in these either, but it's largely dependent on fumble recoveries, which is the least dependable it's and 50, sticky. 50. A fumble recovery is 50-50. Right. There's no way to make yourself more likely than the other team to fall in the football. It doesn't happen. Now, if we look at interceptions, they rank below average. They also rank in the middle of a pack for scoring frequency, so some bad, some good. Now, zero in even more on the passing numbers, and you see the problem. They're 28th in yards per attempt allowed. They're 27th in passing rating. They're 26th in completion percentage. You can move the ball through the air on this team, unquestionably. Marshawn Lattimore has a 97.5 quarterback rating when targeted. Eli Apple is Eli Apple. I don't care where he's trending. Alshon can eat his sandwich. And Eli Apple, for all the, the quarterback rating stats and all, all the things you want to throw out there, is tied for second most in defensive penalties for cornerbacks. He is real grabby, especially mm-hmm. on third downs when they have to blitz and he's out there on an island and he gets to the top of the route. He gets hands-on and he's bad at playing the ball in the air. So if I got Alshon Jeffrey and I know I got Eli Apple on the other side, I'm throwing that 50-50 ball. That's more like a 70-30 ball for Alshon. So I am attacking the heck out of him. Now, P.J. Williams, too, nickel corner, 127.4 quarterback rating and trending down. Leads all the Saints in touchdowns allowed with seven. Golden Tate mm-hmm. and Nelson Aguilar and the tight ends when they want to cover down on nickel with three-by-one sets. They should all have their way with them. I think this Eagles team can execute much better this time, especially if the if the Saints don't play more zone right. because Foles has been markedly better against man coverage and also if the eagles are able to take deep shots and we can talk about this when we kind of have my last note in this little tangent being that the saints rank dead last 32nd in dvoa deep passing defense you can take shots on this team they will be available the eagles haven't done it recently but they will be there ben hit me right so my thing on the deep passing is this take it if you've got it which has been the nick Foles mantra for his entire <laughs> tenure with the Doug Peterson Eagles, right? Like like Chip Kelly, he he was more willing to just be like, that's Deshaun Jackson, that's Riley Cooper, that's one guy. We're uncorking it. Let's live our dreams. And in his maturation as a quarterback, one of the areas in which you've seen him grow, and this could be just a, a result of the Doug Peterson offense, or it could be, you know, actual Foles growth. It's kind of a marriage between the two. Or it's micro, micro growth. I'm hanging up. <laughs> you've seen his... Willingness to take lower thro- uh, lower depth of target throws increase. His his uh, risk aversion throwing down the field has increased. So he is he's picks his spots better. You said that Foles is a better passer against man than he is against zone. When to me on the tape, I, I see higher quality reps against zone for Foles than against man because so often his man reps are just faith throws. If if a guy's got good man coverage, then the only thing you can really do as a quarterback is faith throws, and he's been very successful. Then we don't want to take that away from him. Now, I th- I think one of the reasons for that number is is he's taking the more intermediate to downfield shots against man. Yes, he's more efficient, in my opinion, in zone when it comes to the shorter stuff. Fantastic way of saying that. That's perfect. Exactly. So take your deep shots when you get them. I think if you go into the Week Eleven Eagles Saints game. There's probably a victim of game script here, but Philadelphia tried to go deep and intermediate more than they tried to go short a lot. And when I say Philadelphia, I might mean Carson Wentz, like just him, because mm. he had short stuff that he could have taken. And he tried to go intermediate a lot, and he tried to go deep a lot, and it did not go well for them. And simply, when you're going intermediate on this Saints team, in my opinion, the best way to, to attack the intermediates is the outside because the Saints want to leave man coverage on the outside. 
they'll leave and their corners don't play like a um like a true like cover one press or anything where they're like really mirroring and matching they'll play off and they'll play with slight inside leverage to use the the yeah. boundary again uh as their friend so if you run and no collision right yeah and so if you run and who had a lot of success with this against the saints defense was the rams in a game that they lost but the rams condensed splits bring your wide receivers to the inside. Saints will remain in quarters against that. They'll go cover three as well, but they'll remain in quarters against that, which is dumb. And now you've got one-on-one coverage with a guy who's about five to eight yards off ball on you, and you have room on the outside. You run an inside leaning stem, and you break back outside. Mike's Mike's favorite route, the blaze out. I call it the bench route. There's two you know, different names for it. Um, You run post-corner routes. These are going to be open for you. Philadelphia ran deep outs and deep comebacks with success against the Saints. So I think that's where you're going to find the majority of your air yards is going to be outbreaking routes into the sideline in the intermediate areas, 10 to 15 yards down the field. And let me tell you right now, Mike, they did that a lot against the Bears. So there's this, I'm vibing, like I'm watching this Saints defense and thinking to myself, you know what they did last week? You know, the other thing they did last week, you know, that thing they did last week, like there's just a <laughs> lot that translates in my opinion in terms of how yeah. you want to attack these defenses. Now, I don't think Foles is going to want to throw the ball deep. I don't think that's going to be his game as much. This could be one of those games where his intended air yards get super inflated by like two or three throws, i.e. the Houston game, where like the Nelson Aguilar throw brought his intended air yards up by like one and a half total yards over like the whole game because it was just a massive throw. So this could be one of his higher games in that regard in terms of depth of target. Makes sense. But Foles' number one strength has been conflict, zone defenders in the underneath area he is so willing to take the easy quick curl flat stuff curls slant flat double slants snag spot every concept you ever threw on madden they run and and philadelphia takes it nick Foles takes it and he throws it very very well one Steelers should have beat the saints two they did it by doing that they just nickel and yep. dimed the ever-living but jesus out of this defense and the saints had no quarter for it because the saints do not like they do not have a coverage linebacker and yet they ask linebackers to follow running backs into the flat all the time like if they send five they're not running zone there's no three under three underneath zone on this defense they are running cover one man and they're asking linebackers to follow Jalen Samuels out into the flat to follow Christian McCaffrey, which ask them how that went. It did not go well. And now they're going to ask them to do the same thing on Darren Sproles. Mike, I I brought up the fact that wide receivers over the course of the season have been very successful. 31st in the league against the Saints. But again, if you look recently, if you look post Eli Apple trade, I'm talking about since week 13 on, which is really when the Saints team generally started to lose a little bit of steam. They're better against wide receivers than they have been. It's 11th. It's 49% success rate. That's a drop of 7%. But running back remains 52% successful against us. 29th in the league. This team cannot cover running backs well. They don't. They don't. They do not have a coverage linebacker and they do not adjust for teams that throw to running backs heavily. Yeah. Run, snag, run, spot until they make you stop. Because I don't think they will. I think they're going to continue to ask Demario Davis, who's playing very well inside the tackles, but has never been and will never be a sideline to sideline linebacker. AJ Klein, who, and Alex Anzalone, who's kind of fast as their best coverage linebacker, but he's even not that great. They're going to continue to ask them to chase Darren Sproles out into the flat. I would mesh sit wheel the living daylights out of these linebackers. Mike, you, and, and, and for the second week in a row, 
I will betray myself and not <laughs> and advocate against using 12 personnel and tight end sets. If you go heavy and you go condensed against this team, it allows them to disguise where their blitzers are coming from and more easily run the trap coverages with zones where they rotate down the last second that they want to run. If you go spread, they will tip their hand. They will tell you if they're running middle of the field open. They will tell you if they're running middle of the field closed, which lets Nick Foles eat you alive when he gets that safety beat on you. It lets him pass you into oblivion. And they will ask their linebackers to track running backs into space. I, I want a game where Nick Foles throws 38 passes, completes 30 of them, and has like 250 yards, okay? Like just, the, the Eagles on third down should be 11 out of 16, right? Just walk them up the field. Hey, has the added advantage, like the Redskins game, of just keeping the other offense off the field? To me, I hear the outside wide receivers. I want to target Alshon when you have isolated man coverage. I've, uh, we're always an advocate of that. That's one of the best things that Nick Foles does. Elvin Silva brought it up. Jeffrey's splits with Foles back there are, are fantastic. They have great rapport and Foles knows how to target him against man coverage. But if the Saints want to rush with four and drop seven, throw to your running backs in the slot or in, in the flat out of the backfield, short put Darren Sproles in the slot, run four by one, run empty out of 11 personnel. Saints going to check the zone. And you th- these linebackers will not be able to last against the quicker slot receivers and the running backs. The thing with the tight ends is if you're flexing Zach Ertz out there, either they're following him with Lattimore, which I don't think is a plus matchup for Ertz, or it's PJ Williams in the slot. And Williams is actually good enough to cover tight ends. He's bad at slot receivers for a slot corner. Yeah. But tight ends is where he's going to be stronger because of his size and because of his physicality. I think Ertz can still beat him. But again, to me, this is not an Ertz-Goddard game in terms of passing the football, which is so weird because 12% freaking got us here. And this is the second week in a row I'm saying no tight ends. Running backs and wide receivers, man coverage, and in the flats, I think you can control the the pace of the game and and regularly convert third downs against the Saints defense. That's how Philadelphia wins. I'm feeling it. Yeah, I'm picturing third and five in my head. And as I was going through every third down from the Saints, you know, you notice some things. And something that I really like for the Eagles in that situation, you go three by one with Sproles on the side with Jeffrey. You give Jeffrey that vertical release and at like 10 to 12 yards, he has like four different options of what he can do. At the break point, I can see him getting physical with Eli Apple, with Marshawn Lattimore, either drawing a flag or just out muscling them at the break point. The other thing I can see, to your point, Darren Sproles releasing out on a slop route, that slot option route with Demario Davis, and just burning him and having room to go. Right. So that's two things. The other thing that I saw from the Saints on third down, love to spin their safeties. They, I mean, really, not just third down. A lot of the times, they love to spin their safeties. They'll spin them into to middle of the field close. They'll spin it into middle field open. A lot of the times, the post-snap look is not going to be the same as the pre-snap look. So the Saints do a good job of that, of disguising that coverage. The second thing they like to do on third down is blitz. They are the top frequency remaining team in the playoffs for blitzing on third down. If I'm not mistaking NFL matchup, put that up there on the Twitter. And it was around 35% on third down. The other thing they like to do on third down, if they're not blitzing, they're going to stunt you. So the Eagles line is going to have to be very good against these stunts because the Saints will bring them. Uh, the other thing, uh, not just the blitzing, but they'll green dog Demario Davis and do things of that nature. I so green dog kinda... Demario Davis too. Anything to prevent him from being a short zone defender. Which is definitely not his strength. Now, going from the passing game to the running game, let's talk about this. Because this run defense still remains stout. And we mentioned a rack of guys last time that were contributing to that aspect. And it's essentially the same this time around just looking at the volume of yards allowed and not counting week 17 because that was a meaningless game with a lot of the key starters pulled 
their highest yards allowed on the season on the ground is 112. That was week one. Since that point, 12 of 14 games under a buck. The Eagles had to abandon the run last time, 12 carries, 58 yards, and a touchdown, which isn't bad, but the Saints really didn't have to zone in on the run for much of the game. Yeah, and and, uh, and Jason Kelsey taking exactly six snaps in the game may or may not have something to do with the Eagles' limited run game. Definitely hurt us, for sure. I mean, there was that third down conversion that the Eagles could have had. It was there. They had max protect on with play action. Everyone criticized the play call because uh, what what the, the it was Zach Ertz on P.J. Williams, if I'm not mistaken. Wiz blew his block on the blitz that led to a sack. And everyone was like, oh, that's a terrible play call. Look, if I get Zach Ertz and P.J. Williams, I'm taking that. He got open on that route. Anyway, that's a side tangent there. Look, yet again, just like in the Texans game, just like in the Bears game, I'm not going to get all upset if it's more of a quick pass game oriented offense that supplements the run game, especially to Ben's suggestion. If we're using the running backs in the passing game more frequently to supplant that run game to get them out in space isolated in those matchups. Darren Sproles revenge game, 100 yards (laughs) all purpose. Actually, no, 100 yards from scrimmage. Don't count it. Don't even count the return yards. 100 yards from scrimmage comfortably. If the Eagles win, absolutely. Which I had the, I had my last prediction was Alshon had 100 yards if the Eagles beat the Bears and he didn't, but he had like 84, which like basically is 100. And two key catches on that last drive. And what's what's funny about that last drive is there was it was Jeffrey, it was Goddard, it was Aguilar, it was Tate, it was Jeffrey Ertz. again. Like it, it was it, it was Ertz. It, Ertz it had was, the clear offensive pass interference that did not get called. Yeah. Oh man, I forgot to put that clip up. Ertz makes one of the <laughs> most critical catches of the entire game against the Bears by literally mowing down Roquan Smith, who had an Roquan. interception, and nobody noticed. No, Roquan was so mad. He was sitting back in his zone, and Ertz just comes and like. Boom! In the back, yeah. and just Ertz was like when you down. used to, when you saw your buddy in high school, and he was walking over under a low a low doorway. Maybe this is just like me, if I'm like my generation. So you would go and you dunk on him, right? You jump up on his shoulders and you'd slap the top of the doorway, right? That's like what Ertz did to Roquan. Like he just saw Roquan's numbers, and he was like, "Well, he's not going to see this coming." We used to do that in the warehouse. We'd set up hoops and we pull them out by strings, and we just dunk on people when they weren't noticing. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what Ertz did. But look, getting back to the point here on the in the run game, the more impact. The more important factor for me is being able to run when it matters. That's in short yard situations and inside the deep red zone. That's what matters to me. That's where they need to be effective. Beyond that, you want to run double slant, flat slant, a little 11-21. You want to run that a bunch on first and 10? Go for it. Don't do it on third and 10. I hate that. I have more faith in that picking up meaningful yards than I do with inside zone. Of course. The Eagles will still box count and utilize RPOs to run when it's favorable, but it better be doggone favorable if you're going to try plowing through this defense because the Saints have some dogs that can get after it in run defense. Again, third-ranked DVOA defense against the run with guys like Demario Davis, David Omignata, Sheldon Rankins, Cameron Jordan, the rookie Marcus Davenport, even guys like A.J. Klein and Alex Okafor have popped more on film for me recently since the last time that I watched them. So it's going to be a real challenge matching their strength in that area. And Ben, I'll end that thought with a quote from Bears defensive coordinator of Vic Fangio, who is now the head coach of the Denver Broncos, and I thought it was great. He was talking about how balance on offense is more than just run-pass ratio. And he said, quote, do you throw short? Do you throw long? Do you run zone? Do you run gap? I know this because I coached against it, unquote. It's so simple, but really, rarely do you hear it explained by that. And it's 100% true. Balance isn't just about the ratio you achieve 
when the final whistle hits. It's about right. challenging the defense to all areas of the field in all manners and in different ways, something that the Eagles will have to do to be successful on Sunday. It's not about run-pass ratio. It's about attacking different areas of the field and making them respect all of it in different ways. No, I love that. And 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 it always comes back to, okay, so here's a buzzword. Well, what inherent value does it bring, right? If you are issuing the run and passing to the point at which the defense is not respecting the run, then you your your balance has created an issue in your offense. Your lack of balance is taking value out of your total offense. So returning to balance in terms of forcing them to respect the run will add value because it will open up the pass, right? That's, that's going to be the narrative. It's going to be the anecdotal reason for balance. But you have to view balance in uh, in the scope of what value it brings. Philadelphia has not run a balanced offense with Nick Foles yet once this year. Quote unquote balanced the way that right, we think right. about it. Maybe maybe in week one, week two. I don't remember those games. Uh but okay. since he came through, <laughs> no. Eagles are Eagles won like five of the last six games. Eagles are in the division round of the playoffs. They put up 32 points again. I mean, we talked about this 69 to 31 pass run split against the Texans. Did it matter? Did anybody complain then? No, absolutely right. Like, there's a reason me. Nick Foles set the, tied the league record for consecutive completions because the Eagles are willing to throw the football <laughs> the freaking time, but they only do it four yards down the field. So this is right. Like, if, is your offense experiencing problems? Is it not moving the ball down the field? Is it failing to score? What's the issue? We don't want to just say like, oh, the Eagles didn't convert that third down. They must be struggling with balance. Well, there's about 95 different things that could go into that third down, right? Most of them are just like execution, like somebody like made a mistake. Like they weren't perfect because they're human. So absolutely. The balance conversation is uh, uh, avid Kist and Solak show listeners have far graduated from the school of balance and are, are, are interested in other matters entirely. But Balance is, is it has its place, it has its value, uh, but you have to you understand it within the context of an offense. And really, like this show to me is like the context of the, an offense show because again, Eagles Saints on paper, no. In the context of how the Eagles offense has been playing, absolutely. I think mm. like I I picked the under for the Saints twenty nine. I think this game ends you know thirty to thirty. Like this, I I, I fully believe this Eagles team is going to put points up on this Saints defense the, my number one concern like if I say the Eagles offense fails in this game why because for the first time this year really they force feed Zach Ertz which I don't expect them to do why would they like that that's where I see the problem being I don't think you want to throw up the seams on this team near Marcus Williams near Von Bell it's not where I would go right I don't think you want to deal with you know when they like when they send when they send blitzers right uh, they, they they line up five or six on the line. They send four or five. That one who drops immediately walls off short crossers, right? He opens right. to the, the, the heavy side of the field, the passing strength, and he goes to wall people off. He goes to knock off meshers, right? Which is going to make mesh sit a little bit more difficult. Absolutely. It's still going to leave the wheel open, but whatever. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I want to avoid the short, intermediate, middle area of the field. Like I said, I want to attack outside on the isolated receiver side. We know Foles can make those throws. He did it a ton against the Bears. I want to attack the flats. Again, that's outside of the numbers in the short area. And when you have your deep shots, take them. But I would avoid the middle of the field entirely. And that's where Ertz and Goddard do most of their work. So if you understand what has changed in the Eagles offense under Nick Foles, you should feel confident in them scoring points against the Saints. There it is. That's the soundbite. Ben, are you ready to get to predictions or you want to maybe talk about some pass pro or maybe some things that the Saints are doing with their pass pro? We talked about the blitz. We talked about the stunts. 
We talked about some of the guys that are contributing against the run. I mean, Sheldon Rankins can still get after the quarterback. Their edge rushers ain't bad. Getting Alex Okafor back is nice for them. Yeah. I I don't see anything too concerning, though, from the pass rush. The number one thing that you have to be worried about is check calls against heavy fronts, against double mug looks in the A-gap, where you've got six guys standing up. But that's something that that Philadelphia struggled with early in the season and has kind of fallen asleep. Uh, uh, It's been a little bit quieter. Darren Sproles, as a pass blocker, he has got some doggone listen, fight in him. Bro. Listen, listen. This is this is this is something that they, you know it is known. Game of Thrones coming back in, the, in April. Um, it, it's known. Like like Darren Sproles is a fantastic pass protecting black. Why? Because he is built like a very short square, right? So he's just he can get underneath your pads because you're a six foot three tall you know defensive end. So you can get into your yeah. into your into your torso into your chest, and he's got so much. Pop it's like to a him. large dog attacking your legs like really fast. Like how do you deal with that? Right. No. Like low man wins. Well, guess what? You're not getting lower than. Darren Sproles, like, <laughs> there you go. So that's absolutely valuable. I think what you're going to see in terms of, of, of formation is you're going to see more spread style formation. So I don't think you're going to get the same degree of chips that perhaps you experienced against Khalil Mack or, or the Houston Texans game where you have condensed sets. And I don't think they need them. Yeah, that's I don't a think they point. need them. Exactly. Cameron Jordan's a good rusher, but I think Peters and, and, and Lane should have him on lock. Marcus Davenport is, is what he was at uh, UTSA. Yeah, and I think he's better against the run right now. I don't think he's as polished as a as a as a pass rusher. Dude's a bull in a china shop. He can move you back, right. but he doesn't really know how to get off that and what to do in terms of attacking a set point. And I will say, when we, I think when you go back and you watch the New Orleans game, the I think the weakest aspect of Carson Wentz's game in that terrible performance he had, one of his weaker performances was he was very bad in terms of discipline with his set points and his pocket management. So many throws were affected and, and, and knocked incomplete, inaccurate sacks, because Carson did not manage the pocket with discipline and always moving towards where there was going to be space. Something that you learn, something he's got to get better at, whatever. Some Foles is very good at. And so you're gonna I think you're gonna have strength there with Foles stepping up, climbing the pocket, not being susceptible to those you know, Davenport's going to get in the pocket, but I don't think he's going to be able to separate. I think Foles is going to be able to get away from him in that regard. Not terribly worried about that. In the run game, run zone, run wide zone, run wide zone, run wide zone, run wide zone, a lot. Like Josh Adams had the quiet game against the Bears. I think he's back for this game. He was obviously effective. They ran him on little, you know, like ISO stuff up the middle. He had the nice 28-yard touchdown run against the Saints. But uh, to me, when I look at this Saints team, I want to get those linebackers running. Uh, in order to do yep. that, uh, I'm going to give them wide zone. Philadelphia's play-action boot game was very effective. If you think about heavy flow, and then you run outside breaking concepts off of it to the opposite side, it's exactly what we're talking about. I don't think they'll do as much boot stuff with Nick Foles, however, because Nick Foles is a pocket passer. So run your wide zone RPOs, generate space in the interior that way. Run your um, constraint plays off of it. Like, you know, remember the five-yard speed out to Torrey Smith that they started every single game with last year? Right, run that constraint play, give them wide zone right. look one way, and run the quick speed out to the other side. Like that's going to give sure. you the, the isolation matchups that you want. I would run a lot of wide zone. Uh, that would be my my first approach to this team. I don't think there's any re. I don't think there's anybody to to particularly trap or wham on in that regard. Uh, Sheldon Rankins is good, but I think that Jason Kelsey, Brandon Brooks just had to deal with Akeem Hicks and, and Eddie Goldman. I think they're they're prepared for Sheldon Rankins. Uh, so I expect. <laughs> You can still run trap wham. They did it against the Saints last time. They've been doing it, right? You know, every single game. But I don't anticipate that being a big part of the rushing attack. I would expect to see a lot of zone, which is uh, Sproles and Josh Adams. Hopefully, probably a quieter game for Wendell Smallwood this time around. So the line for this game seven and a half. The Eagles are underdogs. 
the over under is 51 and a half quick math it's 29 to 22 again see how quick i did that math there ben you know what let's just predict the game let's give our predictions here want to guess who i'm picking i'm gonna guess that you're picking the eagles yes sir but i am interested in the score that you give and maybe a turning point towards the end of the game 31 28 chris long strips back in the third quarter lets the eagles go up two possessions I think the Eagles win this one. I really do. Huge loss. Lowest point of the season. They've been trending up since that loss. Now they're back playing New Orleans. Opportunity to knock out the one seed. Continue the underdog narrative. I don't I don't see them getting blown out of the water. I think that that they have a chance to win this game until the clock reads double zero. And then win or lose, they put out a fantastic performance against the best team in the NFC. There you go. Do it. Do it. Say it. Be a man. I believe in so you. So my prediction... My prediction for this game, and I'll go with the turning point first. I think the Saints are up 20-24 to with three minutes left. Nick Foles is driving down the field. They're about midfield. It's fourth and ten. You get Alshon Jeffrey against Eli Apple. It's incomplete. And there's a flag. Late flag comes out. Eli Apple, pass interference. Drive stays alive. Eagles score a touchdown with 50 seconds left. Saints will be out of timeouts, and the Eagles defense is able to shut the door. I don't want to sweat out another what fourth quarter. Can they just like win by three possessions, please? Oh my god, <laughs> I'm so tired of one score games. I'm gonna die at the end of the season. So 27 to 24 in this scenario for the Eagles. Saints unable to get into field goal range. Somebody gets tackled in bounds. Avante Maddox, something like that, makes a crave on the block, right. makes a tackle on Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas to keep him in bounds and keep the clock running and 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 start to salt this thing away. I think no matter what. I probably pick the winner of this game in the championship game, regardless of opponent. Regardless. I think so. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. the only way I wouldn't would be maybe Rams Saints. Maybe. Yeah. Because obviously Rams lost that game. They're going to want to be coming back to it. It's going to be New Orleans. I get that. But still, I think still even then. Yeah. Like looking at it right now, winner of this game, I probably pick in the championship game. So this is going to be, I think it'll be a fun one. Listen, Eagles are playing the last yeah. playoff game again, second week in a row. Highest ranked wildcard playoff game in like 10 years it was against the Bears. This is, a, this is a team that people like rooting for. Mike, I'm excited. I, oh, I'm so feeling excited, to, baby. It's so hard to bet against this team. We're two days away. We're two days away from this puppy, from the divisional round matchup, the rematch from the regular season, the Philadelphia Eagles, the defending Super Bowl champions against the New Orleans Saints, Sean Payton, Drew Brees, worthy foes, worthy opponents. Ben, would you say goodbye? To the gentle listeners, one last time for the week. Gentle listeners, would you like to hear a funny story? Mike yelled at me for being late today because he doesn't understand time zones. Boom! You had to know it was coming. Yeah. Yeah, that was on me. For it some is. reason, I thought... I live in Chicago, East Coast which is and Central, Central Time, time. Zone. Mike lives in Florida, <laughs> which is Eastern Time Zone. So usually, I'm an hour behind him. Uh, today, I'm in Michigan. And so I told Mike yesterday, uh, I'm good to record at 10 a.m., EST. And I always put the time zone because usually we're time zone apart. And Mike always makes fun of me. Because you just put the time zone, just say it in Eastern time. I'm putting the time zone. Today at 9.05, I get a message in the Slack channel, which is like, everybody make fun of Ben. Ben's late. Blah, 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 blah. I said, no, I'm not. I called Ben at 8.58. I said, right. And then put it in the Slack and said that Ben was late. All of you are my witness. And then I realized. And then oh, I the told you. I up. said, it is we we got on 10 EST and you said and I want to read the exact quote because it is nonsensical and it makes me laugh. 
Yeah, I thought it was nine, comma, ten EST your time. Which ten EST is a- my time <laughs> is nine central, which is we're not at yet. It's nine EST, regardless of where I am. That's the thing about Eastern time zone. It doesn't change depending on where I am. Uh, time so, zones are a construct and they're confusing, Ben. We were on time today, and Mike tried to call me an hour early because he's far too uh, enthusiastic. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Kiss and Salak I just love show. the listeners and want to provide them Here quality content. Here on BGN then. Radio. We appreciate you swinging by. As always, I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-E-K. It's Michael Kist on Twitter, at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. This was the final preview show on our end uh, for the Saints uh, defense against the Eagles offense. The Gowton and Stolness regular BGN radio show is also up there. Preview their predictions as well. You can find that already on your feed. If you have not yet subscribed to the feed, be sure to go ahead and do so. You'll get notified every single time we post a new episode, which we will do Sunday, breaking down the game regardless of the outcome. Hopefully, you'll have another week of previews from us. And if you don't, uh, we'll start to transition through the end of the postseason and into draft season as well. We have over 700 ratings on iTunes, and we have, I believe at this point, like 699 five-star ratings, which is nice, but also 700 would be nicer. So if you want to go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes, only accepts five stars, doesn't accept any other stars, just doesn't work. Uh, that would be stellar for us. Again, we've, we've enjoyed such a tremendous postseason, and we just want to keep this train rolling on the tracks, baby. So on whatever app you listen to your podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, hit us up on Twitter. We said the ads earlier. You can always share with us how you're feeling if you have a take with the hashtag I have a take and uh, express what you enjoy about the show, express what you want to see from the show in the offseason. We love all that interaction. Thank you so much for listening. We are going to catch you on the other side of Eagle Saints. Ben, would you say that we've experienced big mic growth during this playoff? We all we got. We all we need. You're fired. Fly, Eagles, fly. I'm issuing a complaint to HR. HR being BLG, <laughs> who basically ignores anything I say. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play. Brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories. Like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.